What's up, everybody? So welcome to another episode of the Swift Podcast. Today, I bring on a good colleague of mine, um, Dr. Sean Coleman, living out in Southern Cali. Sean and I first met as my first clinical as a DPT student, and Sean was a, a, a great support for us. I went in nervous, train wreck. I had no idea what I was doing, um, <laughs> and he, he helped us all the way to the T, and now he's doing great things out in Cali. So Sean, welcome on. How are you, brother? I'm doing really well. Thank you for, uh, thanks for having me on here. I'm glad to have you. And I, I know we were talking a little bit beforehand and I want to kind of get a quick synopsis of what are you doing right now and how, how it's going. Um, so I moved to California, um, a year ago, pretty much like to the day. Now it was right after St. Patty's day last year, right when the shutdown happened. So, um, moved to California last year with my fiance, we were doing some travel PT. She's an OT. Um, so we got here, pandemic happened, contracts were lost. We were kind of starting from starting from scratch. So um, I caught on to a, a local clinic down here, a little outpatient facility, um, your, your typical kind of standard outpatient facility. Yeah. Um, and then I started doing some online work uh, on the side as well, some online programming, some treatment and stuff like that. So um, I do a little bit of uh, in-person stuff with some people in the area too, um, some concierge work. So just, you know, staying busy trying to pick up the pieces and, and a whole from from a year ago <laughs> that's awesome and um sean has a background in strength and conditioning i think you and i kind of hit it off at vincera quite often talking about strength and conditioning and sports mm -hmm. and doing sports pt um so I, I read a lot of your information in terms of the questions we talked about and what i truly want to get in, and start to dive into first is your version of bridging the gap I believe in my eyes, I bridge a gap in a certain way that the PT, what I want to do is bridge the gap between like physical therapy and fitness. Cause I had a, tr a training background, but mm. your version of bridging is completely different. And I want you to share your version with the people. So I don't ramble it and ruin the, the true value it holds. Um, so when you wanted to bridge the gap, what is where you believe the disconnect in the industry is and how you're doing it to implement that? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I talk about bridging the gap all the time, and it's not just what you had said, kind of bridging the gap between PT and, and fitness, because in my mind, there needs to be a bridge there, and there's often a huge gap. But um, another bridge that needs to be kind of filled in is the disconnect between, um, you know, I guess like the old school and the new school, or just the old ways and, and the, the way people are kind of set into what we're doing. Um, you know, just the typical like rest, rice, um, you know, uh, how imaging is kind of heavily still used in diagno diagnosis and um, trying to kind of fill in the gap where after six years of practicing here, I'm still having the same conversations with people um, like you are, you know, talking about the high prevalence of back pain and, and how conservative management is just as good, if not better than surgical interventions. And, and when I am the first person to kind of tell that to a patient, it upsets me. You know what I mean? I, I feel like as much as they respect the, the doctor of physical therapy, they want to hear it from the orthopedist. They want to hear it from their doctor and their primary, and they're not hearing that. So um, just trying to bridge the gap between, you know, the way things have always been, you know, and, and kind of what new research is telling us that kind of is, is being missed a little bit. I like that. And I agree with you, right? It's like telling the, the MD or the physician, like, no, don't send them immediately to painkillers and surgery. Let them go see a therapist. And that's why direct access um, mm -hmm. does help us out and so forth. So 
How does that feel though, in terms of, I think you're doing it quite frequently where you're, you're talking to patients, you're telling them, and you, you said it yourself, you're upset if someone, you're the first person to tell someone that. Do you go back and make the change of talking to physicians or are you just kind of letting them buy into your, your value, your knowledge and be like, listen, this is what I want to do for you. I'll get you there. Just stay with me, stick it with me. Or are you going right to the source saying, hey doc, send them to me first. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm kind of part of a part of a whole here. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm a staff clinician at this time. Um, so it's a, it's a tough thing to kind of navigate back and forth of, of kind of, you know, knowing your place and your role. Oh, yeah. um, but as well as kind of making a name for yourself. I'm new to the area. I'm new to the entire state, new to the coast. So um, I'm not going to come in and ruffle feathers, but uh, I think kind of get the person better in front of you. You know what I mean? That's your job. And then, you know, I think that the results are speaking for themselves. I think that we have people who are coming in with that same story. You know, I'm just, you know, I'm here to just pretty much delay the inevitable of surgery. Yeah. And then they don't get surgery. You know what I mean? Like that's, and then they go back to their doc and they're feeling better. And that's a good kind of place to start. You know what I mean? It's, 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 I've, and I feel like I've been doing this for six months in this particular area that has a good kind of feeder system of, of different practices. So I think yeah. that it's starting to kind of show that, um, you know, it's, it's not just like kind of delaying the inevitable. It's, it's, you can do conservative management and, and, and have success. So I think it kind of, it's the, for a young clinician and new clinician, I think it's, it's kind of, um, it's individual to your situation in terms of reaching out to a physician. Yeah. Um, but I, I think kind of just letting your results speak for themselves and, and, um, make a good name for yourself and build rapport with the people in the area. That's awesome. And I think I like how you kind of put in there for young clinicians to learn that because I'm only two years out and I'm still learning the difference of it. But I want to go backtrack to my first clinical in 2017, I believe. And I spent my winter in Vincera and we saw a lot of sports rehab. We saw a lot of athletes. And I remember you and I had this conversation for like a good 45 minutes. Like I was like, Sean, how do I justify PT for this guy that to me looked spectacular i was like he's ready to go and he's like and then we started talking about the true value that you create as a physician or as a clinician and the, the value you have of pinpointing those small little dysfunctions and that's how you stand out from the outliers um and i still hold that that lesson you told me to the t and i want to share that with people listening as and he was the one that was like i was like dude like in, in training i can do this but in therapy i was like i don't know man like he looks good and you're like no well look at xyz so they've seen the big picture i know you're doing a lot of stuff with the sports and so forth um and I read your I read your bios and why you went into that realm. But I want you to share that same lesson with those young clinicians, the same way you shared with me, of enhancing the value you has as a clinician to really make yourself stand out more. That's what you did in Cali. You went out to this random state in a sense and made a name for yourself pretty well. Yeah, I think um, I think it's important to perfect the basics for sure, um, and that's that's more or less, you know, in terms of just like movement diagnosis and dysfunction. Um, you know, you know what, you know, as a young clinician, yeah. stay there, you know what I mean? Perfect that and then build off of that. And that's where you can get really nitpicky. And, and that's our job when you're working with kind of a, a high level athlete or, um, a competitive athlete or someone who presents well, because I, I think in my opinion, athletes are the best compensators. Um, they're going to find a specific way to, to do their movement and they're 
their neural patterns and inputs are so specific that they can do their job well, but still move like garbage when you're breaking it down. Um, so I think it's, it's just important to one as a, as a young clinician, just per perfect, you know, movement deficiencies and, and, and break down specific patterns. Don't, you know, look at it as a blank slate because getting hung up on like this person's a high level athlete, they must be perfect is definitely not the case. Um, you know, I remember my early days at Vincera, I was a student there as well. This is back in 2015. Yeah. Um, and as a student, I was in charge. I, I had to, to um, do like one of our, you know, our long-term programs. Remember those, yeah, like yeah. the guys who aren't getting surgery or, or needing much, they're heading back to their teams and whatnot. And it was a really, really high level NFL player. And I'm a student and I was kind of like, what am I going to tell this guy? He doesn't know already. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, this is going to be interesting. So broke it down and you know I was in PT school still and I knew how to look at a squat and he looked like his body weight squat was horrible this is a dude putting up like 405 like yeah. you know repping it out all day long and and he he had dysfunction you know so it's you know it's not getting hung up on the fact that they're a, an athlete they're in for you for a reason there is something going on you know kind of microscope it and and break each section down but you have to know the basics first to kind of get there Absolutely. Look at the basic dysfunctions and utilize that and pinpoint it. And I agree with you. They're a clean slate. They come to you. Now you realize that they're coming to you for a reason. It's your job to find those mishaps and it's your job to figure those out. And I think yeah. for you, you work specifically more for with, with TPI. That was that was your bread and butter. And you loved it. And I am, I am looking at it. I, next month, I'll be going for a course. Um, so give us a little background on TPI and why you pick golf as your as your big niche. I know you play a lot, too. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, so. TPI is a Titleist Performance Institute. Um, it's actually based out here in Southern California, you know, probably 25 miles from here wow. um, in Oceanside. And um, yeah, I think um, I'm not quite sure where I where I heard it from, but uh, I, I love golf. You know what I mean? So to me, that was kind of like a no brainer. You know what I mean? I, that was kind of like my new passion and, and they're, um, you know, from doing this job, golfers get hurt a lot. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, um, and it's a specific injury and it's a specific movement. So, um, if you can break down the kind of sequences and, and sections of that movement, you can, you can find that dysfunction specific to that sport. Like, can you imagine how great it would be at our job if like football had a, a sport specific movement screen? impossible though right there are so many factors that go into a football injury or a basketball injury yeah. but golf it's it's you versus your body and you versus your swing so it's in that sense it's easy to kind of take that sport down and break it down um and just doing the research tpi you know every single time you google tpi it comes you know 250 of the top 300 pga players use TPI, use a trainer that's TPI trained or, or a, um, a coach that's TPI trained. I think 20, currently 25 of the top 30 golfers utilize a TPI resource in some way. So, you know, if, if it's good enough for the pros, it's, it's, it's good enough for me to be working with um, Joe Schmo at the country club or, or, uh, or me. You know what I mean, I, I use a lot of this stuff too. So, and it works. That's awesome. So, and, and let's talk golf performance specific because the season's coming up. People are going to get out in the range and so forth. You're in the industry for six years. You have a lot of background with this. What do you think are the common mistakes golfers specifically make in their programmings when it comes to that correlation or in general, what are the biggest movement dysfunctions you're seeing right now? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I, th I think a big kind of, especially cause I follow like 
all the golf Instagrams of foreplay and all you know all the all mm-hmm. that stuff. And, and it's uh it's just fun. To, it's funny to see what people's like golf workouts are because it's just everything is just like swing related, you know everything. But like in reality, like you need lumbo pelvic mobility. You need lumbo pelvic motor control. You know, there's a lot of pelvic tilting. So you'd be surprised. The very first test we do with in TPI, other than obviously swing analysis, is look at your thoracic spine's mobility around your pelvis and the opposite, and then a pelvic tilt. And right there, you can find almost every single person we see cannot do an isolated pelvic rotation or pelvic tilt. So boom, we, we just started three minutes ago and we already got 10 exercises that we can kind of give you and, and promote that movement because it's so important. So I think it's, it's less of like the sexy stuff that you see online and, um, and more of just kind of basic motor control and um, isolated movements because the golf swing is very uh, sequential. You know, it's, it's a kinematic sequence of, of hip, trunk, arms, and everyone is kind of just like a pillar that comes through it. <laughs> and, and, and I'd say kinematic sequence is probably the number one uh, you know, related movement dysfunction that causes slice or hooks or chunks or, or, you know, casting. There's a, there's a million kind of, uh, things, but I think just kind of breaking down hip and pelvic kind of control is, is the utmost importance. And I think that's one thing not many people see, right? So you yeah. said it and, and on online and on media, all our professions are showing you the, the, the glamorous exercise, the glamorous movements. No one's showing you how they've gained control of that swing or no one's showing you how they've gained control of that motion. But there's a lot of components as well. Like I've recently just started playing and I'm God awful and it's terrible. Yeah. And like one of our clinicians is TPS certified. So I had him break me down. I'm like, yo, I got so much to work on that I'll yeah. give myself another two or three years to really get better at just the, the initial swing. Um, so for you, you've been doing it for a while, you've been practicing yourself. And I, I agree, there's so much knowledge in there and not even just for golf specific, but the correlation of what they're teaching you to other resources. Yep. Now you can take what the swing component and you can look at baseball, you can look at other sports, lacrosse. Um, so that certification itself is so versatile, right? Like you can Absolutely. use it in any aspect. It's so good and you, you hit it, it's, it's- a rotational athlete program, which is every single athlete. You know what I mean? It's, it's hockey, it's baseball, it's, it's lacrosse. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's power development. You know what I mean? So football, it's, it's, you know, it's, a it's such a, um, a versatile kind of movement screen and philosophy. Um, yeah, I I told you this, it was, it was probably the the best course I've taken in six years, just in terms in terms of just carryover, how I use it every single day. Um, it's a sports specific type of thing. So it, it niches you down um, and it made me prepared. I felt like I could, I could do all this stuff kind of from day one. You know what I mean? It, it was yeah. a lot of courses, you know, I, I've taken vestibular courses. I've taken, you name it. It's, it's, it's okay. I feel like I have an idea of what I'm doing. I need to go practice it a million times. And go yeah. <laughs> CPI, I was day one. I was like ready to go see clients. It was great. Yeah. That's awesome. And I, it's funny, I have a patient and you, you touched on it, power, power producing power, right? And before you get to power, it's the kinematic control. And mm-hmm. when you're at that power stage, what movements you're doing? And I had a patient, she wanted to get better at golf. I was like, all right, your power exercise for me is a hex bar deadlift. And she looked at me and she goes, that's my legs. And I was like, yeah, power's coming from your legs. You got to use it. So it's like, 
getting people to get outside the box and being open-minded to actually allowing you to do what you do. And I think it comes down to your education process and you as the clinician um, coaching and how you're doing it. And I think mm-hmm. you do a great job of kind of getting people doing it. I've seen your work when I was working next to you and I've seen your work now I'm watching you now. And I always appreciate the, the efforts you're putting in and not just to toot his horn, but the thought process behind it and how it's working and it makes sense. And I wanted to, to educate us on this certification because that's part of his, as who he is as a clinician and it makes sense on how that's going to roll. So now we're kind of in this realm where you're, you know, you're also a small business owner, you have your own stuff going on and you're working for someone else. Um, so let's talk work-life balance. How are you managing all this stuff? And there's a pandemic and you got a fiance yeah. wedding in the playoff, right? So it, yeah, man, it's, 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 cra- it's been a crazy year. It's been a crazy year for everybody. Um, you know, it's, it's just been, uh, it's time management. It, it helps that we're kind of in Southern California and, and it, you know, every day is kind of beautiful and, 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 you know, um, my drive to work is right on Pacific coast highway, you know, it's, it's, so it's, it's kind of finding the little things that kind of keep you sane as far as work-life balance. Um, we, we take time for each other, you know I mean? We, we have our own time and, and, and stuff that we do together. So it's, um, it's just about kind of being hyper-focused on every aspect of your life. You know, I mean, you can't just rely on, oh, well, the weekend's here, we'll figure something out or like, oh, you know, it's, it's the evening. What are we going to do? It's, it's, time management and, and having a regimen of, of when work time is, when play time is. And we, you know, I work hard and I play hard. You know what I mean? It's, it's kind of, that's how I've always been. So, you know, I'm, I'm not all kind of, uh, you know, nose, nose to the grind. You know, I'm, I'm, I try to have as much fun even when I'm at work. You know what I mean? So it's, it's my work-life balance is, is my work is my life and that keeps me balanced. You know what I mean? So um, I don't feel like my side work it, it, or the online stuff is, is work. I feel like that's kind of, that is my passion is being able to me pick people that I want to work with. You know what I mean? Like you see, you may seem like you're choosing me, but in reality, this is an opportunity for me to get to say, you know, this is what I want my schedule to look like today. And if I don't like it, I don't have to do it. So it, it puts me in control and that's what kind of gives me balance. That's awesome. And it's funny because I, I sent Sean a question of what drives his passion. And I didn't really ask him in the podcast because I felt like just talking to him it was going to bring it out himself, right? Helping others, educating people and empowering the people in front of him. And if you haven't gotten that vibe from him in the last 30 minutes, I don't know what you're listening to, but that's your passion kind of speaks for itself. And that's why I asked that question to people because it allows me to see where they're at. And a lot of it is you're providing education to people on a database. You're providing uh, uh, you're changing lives. We, we as therapists are now in the ability in, to change lives and change that. And that's passion itself. So I always ask work-life balance because I think that's the same response I get from every therapist that works in is if you love what you do, you're going to have a great time doing it and you'll want to do more and you want to reach out to more people to help them. Um, and the, the sense of community you establish with yourself in your, your patient realm. And I feel like your patients are now coming to you, not as a clinician, but more so as that other friend and that, that hone in, right? For you, family's a big part of your life, but now your patients are also part of that family category for you. And it excels your, your care process, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I feel like it's a, it's, you know, I always consider like my, even my patients from Benz, Benzera, you know what I mean? A lot, I, I still talk to them. You know what I mean? Like my patients are my friends. You know I mean, these people, you, you build connections with them because you, you invest into their, into their lives. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're trying to be the direct contributor of improving their lifestyle and that happens and, and you become invested in their lives. So, um, 
I think that's kind of the, the best part is is just how enveloped you be, you can become into people's happiness and well-being. And I think that's why we chose the career we chose. So if we kind of backtrack into the start of the episode, Sean moved out to Southern California um, and he left Philly to basically restart his life, but he carried everything with him. And if you listen to everything it is, it's the passion we as therapists need to continue to grow. And I acknowledge that like, you're not in this environment where some companies literally suck your passion out. And if you're working for that company, out the door you go, but then people have a fear of like starting up their own thing or have a fear of like that, that uncertainty, right? Yeah. Um, and that's where we, we see a lot of young clinicians kind of fall in and I even not the place I work for is great. And even sometimes you feel like, dang, I'm just seeing patient after patient. I haven't had a breather yet. And I'm just like, wow, it's, it's a lot. Um, but your passion keeps you alive to know that, like you said, and a lot of people listening right now, what you have to realize is that they didn't pick you, right? Right. They, they came to you and now it's your job to make sure they stay with you. Right. Um, right. and help them realize that you are different. And I think that's what makes you stand out more is like you are different, right? You changed your life in terms of TPI golf performance and you're seeing athletes, but I've seen you work with a lot of the other clients and patients and there's no difference. And I like that, right? So you see an athlete within that person and you make them come out. Yeah. So thought process, where's your thought process in someone say like, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, movement we see, dysfunction we see, but you bring the true athlete out of them, right? So yeah. where's your mind turning? I think the, the biggest thing, no matter what, is just trying to match your treatment style and the interventions and what you need to do kind of with their goals. Yeah. So like, what, you know, if you work with athletes, that's where you go. If, you, if you're working with a workers' comp patient, their, their sport is their job. It, you know, it's, so it's all just goal-oriented, whatever you need to get them back to what they're doing. Um, so that's kind of my thought process is, is, you know, when I get an athlete, yeah, that's more fun because it's, you know, you're, yeah, I like sports and that's what I want to do. Yeah. But, um, in reality, you're still just working to get people back to their goal. So, um, you know, I really enjoy, uh, you know, getting people j just to be able to kind of walk a couple miles or, or just complete a goal. You know what I mean? So I think when you're, um, you, when you have that kind of I don't know, I guess like the, uh, the, the athletic fire, a competitiveness mm -hmm. to you, Absolutely. you know, like it, it, you kind of, you know, when, when the patient says that they, you know, walked a mile or two without pain, you know, it's, it's hell yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, it's like, you don't have to like always, you know, I, I try not to, I try to be as, as medical as I need to be, but that's not really my style. You know what I mean? I, I, so I, I think kind of just bringing an energy, uh, an energy, like an athlete would need to a, a, a more sedentary or unathletic population is never really a turnoff for them. If anything, they're, they're going to want to match that energy. Yeah. As opposed to if you want to kind of do the opposite, which is like be medical with an athlete, you might not vibe well. Yeah. So I no. feel like just, you know, and above all, just be you, you know, maybe that's not you. That's, that's fine. Like I, like my other clinician that I work with wears, full on button up sleeves, dress shoes, you know what I mean? And every, every Friday I'm wearing this shirt, you know what I mean? So like, you know, if you were to look at both of us, you'd be like, same job, Yeah. but that's, this is my style. This is me. He's very medical. He's awesome. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's be you don't be anything you're not. Cause at the, above all the things we talked about, people will see through BS. I don't know if I can curse on here, but no, they will, they will see through it. So, 
um, you know, I, I think that might be kind of a, a rambling answer to your question, Absolutely. but no, um, I, I, I think if, if, if you're, if you're into an athletic kind of atmosphere, you can bring that to a, a non-athletic population. And I think they respond well to it. Absolutely. And with that folks, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with you. What's up everybody. So we're back with Dr. Sean Coleman, who's been nothing but a great pleasure to work with and talk to in the last half hour. Um, and Moral of his story, what you're listening to, he's established himself as a clinician in Southern Cali, left Philly, and now he's doing what he's truly passionate about, empowering his patients, empowering the people, and more so educating and helping as many people as possible. Um, and with that, I want Sean to take the floor with his three pieces of advice that we talked about. He's going to help, and it's going to help not only for our young clinicians established and the SBT students that are going in, but more so everyone for their day-to-day tasks and goals. So Sean, the floor is all yours, and you take it away. Um, I guess, I guess for like truly, um, you know, you just talked about kind of being yourself and bringing your own kind of atmosphere into, you know, into a clinic. And I think before we even get to that, um, something I wish I did before I even picked my first job was, um, be very selective about your interviewing process. I think to keep, we might might have touched base on it when, when you, you are a student there. So, um, and just being, um, you know, being a little bit more kind of, uh, you know, owning your own kind of interview process too. Like we, we tend to kind of, even as just as PTs, we tend to kind of be um, a certain personality where we're kind of a little, we don't self-market very well. And, and I feel like I was constantly trying to put on a persona of like, I, I needed this job and I wanted to get it. And it can very easily put you in a position where you don't vibe well with the environment because you wanted so badly to fit into that particular job setting that didn't work out for you. So I guess even before you kind of be authentic and be yourself, make sure that your interview process, you're asking the questions that put you there in the first place. Because if you're not allowed to be yourself at your, whether it's your first job, second job, whatever, um, you're going to know and you're not going to be happy and it's, it's, it's just not going to mesh well you're, and it's not going to be a successful environment. So I think before you even kind of be yourself, you be, be a bit more involved in your own kind of interviewing process. You're interviewing them as well as them interviewing you. So that'd be my first point to, to kind of make for SPTs and, and, and young PTs who are kind of looking for their first job or maybe even their second job. Um, and then, um, you know, always be a student. I mean, you're always learning. You know what I mean? There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of stuff on Instagram and stuff these days and I, 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 I'm in it, so I can't really trash it too much, but it, it does kind of, uh, it puts a certain kind of way in your head that you should be doing something a certain way trust yourself and your skills and your knowledge that, you know, it's, it's okay to kind of have your core kind of what you do well. Like it's okay to give every single person that needs glute strengthening a bridge. That's okay. You might sit there and be like, man, like, I, I, can't, I can't believe I'm giving another clamshell. That's okay. You know what I mean? Like that, like it, there's nothing wrong with, with kind of doing what you do well and then perfect that and then build off of it. And I think that's kind of something we, we, we skip steps because we see, cool and sexy stuff on on instagram or or, and whatnot and it's it you know it makes you think a certain way and i feel like um you you know what you know and 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 kind of be able to use that as as something to kind of fill in the blanks of maybe you're you're missing on something but don't let that kind of uh change your treatment philosophy and your treatment style um and then a third piece of advice um I, i guess would be you know 
I guess going off of like being your, being yourself, um, you know, have fun with it at the very least. Like this can be a pretty rough atmosphere to be in. You know, it's not necessarily thankless because you're getting thanks a lot for sure. Um, but it's a lot of hard work and it's a lot of time spent not treating and not doing what you love, you know, documentation, getting referrals and whatnot. So I, I think, um, you know, put yourself in a position where you can be yourself and really enjoy where you are and what you do. That's awesome. And I truly respect those advices. And I, I think that's the, the funny part is the, the second one when you talk about it's okay to give bridges or clamshells. I think we get nervous as young clinicians. And even when I was a student, I was like, man, I don't want to give this guy the same thing because it didn't look like that patient did the same thing as that patient. It looked like yeah. it was the same program. And kind of owning that in a sense is what it comes down to is being an owner of your programming, being an owner of what you provide and then knowing your value that ultimately, yes, you might start this way, but then you go back to what Sean talked about and learning more and continue to learn and say you get TPI certified. So yeah, I start you one way, but now I know I have another tool in my toolbox and I can excel you differently. And that's it. You all start a clean slate, like you say, right? Come yeah. in, clean slate. Now, yeah. let me figure it out how I'm going to build that not skipping steps. So those are great yeah. pieces of advice. And I think I still utilize a lot of the, the stuff Sean taught me, which is why I'm kind of very happy he came on and brought us more knowledge as he always does and more education. But it gives you a different insight as young clinicians, right, um, on how we're treating, but the growth and the potential you have for yourself if you continue yeah. to learn. And yeah. that's how you're truly going to empower your clients, right? Yeah, I think that's probably like just building off of that way better advice would be to keep on putting stuff in your toolbox, right? Like, you know, I, like I, I've given people, like in this last week, I've given people ice. I gave someone a brace. I did some static stretching. You know what I mean? Like I did ultrasound. Like those, these are all concepts that are, are kind of, we, we're understanding are not kind of as kind of, want, you know, great as they once were. Um, but it's a tool in your toolbox. And even though, if, you know, if I don't use it every day, it can still sit in my toolbox and Absolutely. I can bring it out when needed. You know, everything's individualized and nothing's kind of, you know, absolutes. So like, don't have absolutes, keep putting stuff in your toolbox, have an open mind. And then uh, going back to kind of the intervention stuff, just always answer a why, you know, always have a why to everything you do. And you kind of mentioned it before about kind of, um, you know, everything is calculated. Like there isn't a single thing that I do on a minute to minute basis that isn't calculated. My, my sets and reps, my rest times, yeah. the sequence of exercises I prescribe, everything has a why. Why am I doing this before that? Why am I giving three sets of this versus two sets of this? Answer your why in your own head and it'll make your patient education better and it'll make your thought process better too. So always answer your why. That's great. So now you got six pieces of advice instead of three. Sorry, and that's the first, the beginning, right? the <laughs> <laughs> No, that's, that's awesome. Better. And I, I agree with you, right? And, and those are things that this is why we do what we do. We, we, we give out free education, free content. We bring people on this podcast for a reason to educate people, to empower you as well. And that's Sean's biggest passion is to empower the people around that. And if you stick to those six pieces of advice as young clinicians and young therapists in any profession, yet alone therapy, right? If you stick to the why you're doing certain things and remember the why you're doing it you're always going to bring the best of yourself out yeah. and that's what it truly matters and if you want the patients to come to you want the clients to come to you bring your best version of you don't worry about anything else but bring in your passion your knowledge your education and taking that to the next level um and with that sean i thank you for coming on the show i thank you for thank you. spending your sunday afternoon with me or sunday morning for you um 
We're and, crossing over to the afternoon. Now. All right, sounds close <laughs> enough. But it was a true pleasure, and I hope we have you on again soon. Yeah, any anytime, man. This is awesome. I, I love doing this stuff. So, all right, folks. Until Absolutely. next time. Yeah.